What an honor to be here this morning. You may be seated. It is so good to finally say that I'm at home. Uh, if you don't know it, my family and I have repositioned back to North Texas uh, this past fall. And I said for decades, for years, Keon, you remember this. I used to say, if I lived in this area, I would come to Church 1132. Well, I stand as a man of my word. I stand as a man of integrity that I get to call this church home. And Pastor Dustin and Pastor Jamie, my pastors, come on, are you grateful for an amazing church? Now, um, I, I think that there's a lot of things that you could look at on leaders' lives and be able to say, oh, they're solid or they're great or they're sharp. But I think one of the greatest reflections of a quality leadership uh, is the staff and team that's literally orbiting around them and helping carry the vision. And I think there's just some of the greatest leaders on the planet is Pastor Dustin and Pastor Jamie Bates, some of my wife and I's best friends. Come on, can you thank God for quality leadership? And then, of course, this amazing team. Come on, all the way from kids to students, worship, young adults, even the people who are making behind this, everybody on a camera. Come on, give it up for these people. You know what it's like when it's raining and you don't want to come to church? They're the reason you get to have church. Come on, that's, there's some God in all of it, right? So, but uh, I am truly honored to be here, and thank you so much for uh, allowing me to bring this word. I do want to say a happy Father's Day to all the amazing men in the room. Come on, all the dads. Come on, make some noise. Well, that's a little bit of a struggle this morning. Y'all make some noise for the fathers on Father's Day. You're going to learn very quick in marriage. This is why you take two cars to church. So some of the best fights you'll ever have in your marriage are on the way to church. There's a good amen somewhere in the crowd. There's someone, you're not going to say it right now, but later on you're going to be like, he was right. He was right. But, you know, I, uh, I feel my assignment today is to encourage and perhaps even challenge us as dads uh, as we're here gathered on this, what I would consider a sacred day. Um, and to do that, let me kind of share my story so you know I'm not posturing from a place of strength. I don't even pretend to be the best dad or I got it all together. I try my best. Uh, people are like, who's Chris? What is Chris like? And I'm like, don't ask me. Ask my wife and my kids. You'll get the pure, unfiltered uh, 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 version of that. But, you know, I grew up mostly in a single-parent household. And so if I wanted to look for a good dad, I, I, I'd have to look past my own home, which, sad to say, that's, that's statistical uh, normal now for today, that if a, a son or a daughter wants to look for what a quality father is, the chances of them looking in their own house are very slim. In fact, the, the, the scalability is all there for us to do this, but for me, I didn't have a dad at home, so I didn't have anybody to tell me how to get my first job. I didn't tell anybody how to change my oil. Nobody taught me how to tie a tie. YouTube, baby. That's how I got discipled in some of these areas. You think I'm still doing it? Yes, I am. I will find out one way or another. Tutorials are my best friend. And so, but we didn't have this way back when. And so I had to actually go and look at other men and how they led their lives, their personal lives, how they led their wives, how they led their children. And, and perhaps today is a, a collection of all of that. But I am convinced of this. Men are not supposed to be a deficit. They're supposed to be an asset in society today, which is why this word woke up inside of me uh, uh, when I found out I was going to be ministering on June 18th. In Joel chapter 3, verse 9, it says, proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war, wake up the mighty men. Let them, let the, all the men of war draw near, let them come up. This, these phrase, this sacred text, if I could, this language, wake up the mighty men. I want you to notice he's not saying wake up passive men, casual men. 
the nominal man, the excuse-making man, the insecure man, the, the prideful man. No, he's saying, wake up the type of men who don't mind being in the shadows, but when it's time to grab a sword, when it's time to pray over their babies, when it's time to love their wives, when it's time to stand in faith, we gotta find the mighty men. He says, wake up the mighty men. You know, modern day stats for men in the church are somewhat shocking. 90% of men in America say they believe in some higher power, some deity, some energy, some God, 90%. In fact, about five out of six men still in America, according to Pew Research, still claim to be part of a local church or go to church, but yet only 35% uh, go to actual church. This means that one in every wife, one in every woman will have her husband with her in church on Sunday morning. There, there seems to be this disconnect somewhere between men and the church, which is not even true in other religions. You look at every other religion, and you'll find that it is male-dominated across the board. It doesn't matter what it is. But for some reason, we have not been able to bridge this gap, and we have found this deficit. And I got news. Jesus had no problem drawing men. Every head count on this side of the cross in the New Testament was counted as men. In fact, 12 of the wildest men were turned in to a spiritual weapon that became apostles and planted the early church, and those were men. Are you following me? There is not a disconnect between Jesus and men. There's a dis disconnect between men and manhood, fathers and fatherhood. And today, I feel, I feel anointed to bring that bridge together. Can I do that? Somebody say yes. Now, you may have noticed, I don't do no quiet church. Um, I'm too Hispanic for that. It's just in me. I grew up that way. And so I know our church, and I want to respond back to the, to the word this morning. Can you do that? Somebody say yes. Say, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. Spell it. Spell it. You can't say words you can't spell. All right? So, all right. Are you ready for the word? Oh, my God. Are you ready for the word? I'm teasing. Do me a favor. Turn on your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn it on. I know what generation we live in for crying out loud. Okay, turn it on. 1 Corinthians, you know, I, I think there's something significant that's unlocked here. Paul is having to write not just one, but actually two letters to a church that is deep in the fires of revival. But they are also carnal. Uh, they are seeing like the dead rise, and then he's telling them, stop sleeping with everybody. Sounds pretty close, right? So like, there's, there's a lot that is going on in the book of Corinthians. And Paul is not approaching this as their master, as their... Uh, a punisher, he's not, as their warden, you'll see that he approaches this in a very significant place as a father. You know, we know that Paul was single uh, and celibate his whole life, so where he would get this revelation of fathering could only come from one source, and that would be Father God. And so when he writes these letters, when he writes 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he is writing this as a dad, as a person who cares for them as this church is deep in the fires of, of transformation and carrying a unique anointing, he is asking them uh, to consider changing their private life, nothing about their public except put in order, but their private life for sure. And this is what he says, though. He says this. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. For therefore, I urge you, imitate me. 
He says, you, you have 10,000 voices, 10,000 podcasts, 10,000 YouTube channels, 10,000 clips going through your life in a day, but they can't hold a candle's worth of light to the volume and the echo of a fatherly voice in your life. He said, in one translation, he said, you have 10,000 teachers, but you only get one father. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ to flood every heart right now. Lord, I thank you today on Father's Day. I thank you for the kingmakers. I thank you for the protectors of queens and princesses in this room. I thank you for men who are taking on even the roles of being a father in other children's lives that may not have come through their loins, but definitely into their lifetime. I thank you for men who are not yet fathers but still can brew a fatherly tenacity inside of them, a, a trajectory, if you will, like never before. I thank you for those whose fathers have gone on to be with you, God. They, they have left their role and they have left their model and they have left their design for us to follow. I thank you for the kids in this room that have had a father in one way or another, whether it's pastorally, through a coach, through an uncle, or even present in their own home. Lord, I ask for an exponential anointing and blessing to come on them in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. I want to speak to you from this subject. I want to talk to you about raising royalty. I'm not here to raise sons and daughters. I'm here to raise kings and queens. I'm not here to raise culture warriors. I'm here to raise priests, people who can touch the heart of God. And because they grab something in that presence they brought it back to the earth and they are now mantling kings and queens who don't look like them, don't talk like them, didn't come from their background, don't have the same skin color, don't have the same bank account numbers, but what they do have is a commonality in the kingdom of God. We are all called to be high priests, royal priesthood and a kingsmanship, a royal bloodline that is running through the earth, whether it's through our physical veins or our spiritual veins, but we need to raise royalty. My wife and I have spent 20 years in youth ministry uh, and young adult ministry, and a good chunk of that was actually pastoring in a church in the other part, other side of Dallas, and we had this one kid come in, and this kid's name was Bobby Bullwinkle. I kid you not, this was his real name, so he was single for a long time, and so Bobby Bullwinkle would come to our church, I'm not lying, his name was Robert something Bullwinkle, all right, and I thought this... So I, I gave him the name Bobby the Bull, because that's the best I could do with that, right? So, so Bobby would come to our church and, and uh, got, got real plugged in really fast, all right? And, and the reason why is he didn't have any friends, because Bobby, Bobby was abstract, eccentric, ahead of his time. Other words for weird. Bobby was extremely weird and, and didn't make sense in any context, okay? So, so Bobby would, he would come to our church and, and uh, I started noticing some leadership gifts and some qualities that he obviously was available. So I was like, hey bro, you wanna be on leadership? You know? And so one of the key things to being on leadership uh, was serving. I'll never forget, we would put the, uh, the students all throughout the church so that the church felt like it wasn't just adults serving adults, there was students' involvement and we had a generational servanthood mindset. And so I remember one, my first assignment for Bobby was, you're going to be a greeter. There's no way you can screw this up. There's no way you can mess this up. There's no way that you can fail at this. But Bobby the Bull proved me wrong. Bobby, I put him as a greeter, and I noticed, I, I said, like, hey, you're just going to say hi. Uh, hey, you're going to greet everybody. Uh, back then, we don't have all the bougie signs like we got now. We didn't have the parking attendants waving at you so you could find a parking space. I wish, you know, we didn't have none of that, right? So Bobby was just at the door. Hey, come on in, you know. Some greeters like, hurry and get in. We popped this air. You better get in. It's coming out. 
right? So I've been to these churches. And so I remember Bobby sitting there, and there's a mother in the church walking, sweet grandmother of a, a woman. I mean, she is the sweetest woman. And I'm thinking, there's no way Bobby messed this up. So I'm just going to, I'm going to coach from a distance, right? I turn around for two seconds, Pastor Bill, two seconds, all right? I turn around like this, and then I turn back, and Bobby has this older woman in a headlock saying, welcome to church. Are you glad you came to church? Who's going to get touched by God today? I'm like, Bobby. This is a true story. I'm like, uh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Sorry. Bobby, Bobby, come here. Come here. Listen, I love you. You're weird. You can't do that. You know, like, this is the journey for Bobby. Bobby would come into our leadership team. One of our things on leadership was punctuality. Um, I, I like when things are on time. I don't like being late. I, I hate w- the excuse making of late. I'm like, well, you should plan, you should prepare, right? Uh, uh, if, you, if you stay ready, you have to get ready. You know, stuff like that, right? I hope my kids are in the front row really quiet. So, like, I, I, I remember I'm, I'm sitting there and I am watching uh, 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 Bobby not show up to our prayer meeting, and you never miss prayer. We have a high emphasis on prayer. And so, Bobby doesn't come, so he calls. It's like 10 minutes. So I just answer the phone. I'm like, Bobby, I'll talk to you when I get here. Bye. And I hung up the phone. He calls back. I send a voice note. He calls back. I answer again. I'm like, Bobby, I'll talk to you when you get here. Bye. And I hung up the phone. This is me called me. This is the spirit of stupid. All right? This is me being a dumb pastor. So, so I'm sitting here. Like fourth, fifth phone call. I answer the phone. And before I can say Bobby or anything else, I hear this scream coming on the end of uh, his end of the phone. And I said, Bobby, what is that? I mean, that's the type of scream, the, the, like, the scariest scream. It would make the blood in your veins stand still. I said, Bobby, what is that? He said, Pastor Chris, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's my mom. I said, what happened? And he said, the SWAT team just kicked in our front door and arrested my father. And we don't know where he went. And now we're alone sitting in the dark and my mom can't stop crying. And and I need you right now. And I said, I'll be there. They lived about three to five minutes from the church. I said, I'll be right there. I hung up the phone. I went, hey, you're, you're doing offering. You're doing worship. You better get a word from God. You got about 15 minutes. You're preaching tonight. And I left. That's exactly how that happened. It's called good Training. Training. Right? So, so I remember I show up, and it's them in the dark, and it began this journey I didn't know before I even had kids called fatherhood. Didn't help that Bobby's birthday was the next week. And I was like, he's like, my birthday, my dad's not going to be there. I'm like, Bob, don't worry, it's your birthday. I got you. I'm going to make the biggest birthday party ever. I threatened every kid in our youth ministry. I was like, you're going to show up to, I know you don't show up to church, but you're going to show up to this birthday. We ain't seen you in six months, but you bet you're not going to heaven if you do not show up to this birthday party right here. I mean, like, I went all in. I'm like, and you better bring some presents. And don't come at me with these $20 Starbucks gift cards that you left $14.37 on. I need you $50, no sub-50s in this room, all right? Like, I was going all in. I mean, I, I, I became a lot to Bobby. I, I, I gave him uh, uh, the birds and the bees talk. That was fun. Because he asked all the questions. And I'm like, yeah, Bobby, that's what that means. So yeah, And I did it in a restaurant because I thought he'd be quiet. Not Bobby. <laughs> so you mean what? Ha- yes, that's what it means. May read a book. <laughs> I'm just, it was just awkward. I helped him pick out his classroom, helped him choose uh, a technical school to go to uh, for a welding school. I mean, I, I did a lot. But I'll, I'll never forget, it was really a vulnerable time for him. And I, I would always take my core group of guys, the guys I was discipling home if they didn't have a uh, driver's license and drove in themselves, I would always take them home. And I made sure Bobby was the last one because I wanted to get some quality time with Bobby, some unfiltered time. And, and so I, I remember we pull up to the stop sign. As we're pulling up, a police officer pulls up to the same stop sign. And out of nowhere, Bobby starts yelling these cuss words and obscenities and curses all over this cop. This blankety blank cop, blank, 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 beep. 
all over this police officer. And, and I'm, like, I'm like, oh, well, huh? Like, where'd that come from? We just left church, right? We're not even at a football game. We're, we're like, we didn't even leave church. And, and he's, he's like, well, these cops messed up families, and they came into mine, and they broke this up. And I'm like, ah, hold it. Mm, mm, mm. I said, no, no, no. Was it the police officers that messed up your family or your dad's decisions that have now affected your family? He said, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, apparently you do. <laughs> Next week, fast forward one week, we see, we go to the same stop, same stop sign. Cop pulls up. Bobby does the same thing. Beep. I mean, he goes off. Now I'm like, I'm, mm. right, so I w- wait one more week. We go to, I'm telling you, there's something demonic about this stop sign. I go to the same stop sign, all right? Cop pulls up. Before he can get it out, I'm like, if he does it again, I'm going to punch him in the throat. In Jesus' name, but I'm going to punch him in the throat. So, so, like, Bobby, before he can get out something, I said, I see the cop, and I go, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this police officer. And I thank you for the sacrifice. I thank you, God, that your protection is over him. You said in Romans, he who bears the sword does not bear it in vain, that he would use justice and he would use courage. And, he, like going on, and I can see Bobby, like, melting in heat. I mean, this guy's getting all, man, horns are falling off. I mean, it's crazy, right? Fourth week now goes by, and I'm thinking if he says something, we're going to get violent in the natural sense. <laughs> like, I'm like, I cannot stand dishonor. And so, so I'm sitting there, and I see it. And sure enough, we pull up the stop sign. Same cop at the same stop sign. And all of a sudden, I hear Bobby go, God, I bless this police officer. I thank you for his life. And I thank you that you're going to protect him. I thank you that you're going to be with him tonight. He's going to return home safely to his family. I'm sitting there shook in the driver's. I'm like, I said, Wow. I said, where did that come from? And this, I kid you not, this is what he said. He said, God told me this week that I'm not without a father. He said, and he told me to be just like your father, and he reminded me of you, and you're a father in my life. And so I want to be just like you. I want to be like a dad like you. And I, I remember, yeah, I know. I know. I was, like, I was like, that's a good choice, Bobby. I'd want to be like me too. <laughs> I, I started to really journey into something that Paul says. You could have 10,000 other teachers. You only get one father. You, you get, you, the reason why he's saying that 10,000 teach, you could have put 100,000. The reason why t- there's a di- such a difference is teachers teach from a place of strength. They teach from their wins. They teach from the material that's already been covered a thousand times. Fathers have to endure failure, stretching, pressure, unknowns, unpredictable, unreliable, and then their kids are watching how they handle those places, not just when they get trophies and wins and breakthroughs and healing and answered prayers. They're watching on it, and that's why there's more credibility for a father than a coach. For a father instead of a crazy uncle. For a father instead of a professor. Because fathers will speak when nobody else is speaking. They'll say what nobody else wants to hear. Or nobody else has the courage to say. Fathers will be there when nobody else was. Fathers will take on the giants even when you don't want to. Fathers will say yes when everyone else says no. If you got a good dad in your row, you better thank God right now. And let all of heaven know. Thank you for the godly men that are on the earth still. That are raising royalties and putting out blood, sweat, and tears to make sure... We're not without. Wake up. The mighty men. America needs its families back. And the only way we get our families back is if we get our fathers back. And the only way we can do that is if we call them into authentic manhood and fatherhood. And so if I could, could I be practical this morning 
and perhaps give you three areas to focus on as a dad. It's not just, I, I love that you show up and you're there, but man, if you could take your intentionality to a level 10 instead of five, I promise you, this will bear a lot of fruit. The first focus area that a father speaks to is personality. This is identity, establishing who a person is in their failures. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. In, in their struggles, this may be hard for you, but you're a man of God. You're establishing this identity in them so that when the world tries to come and tell them there's something they're not, they were born a certain way when they weren't, they do things they shouldn't do even though the world celebrates it but the book does not, they will know, no, I have an identity and I didn't just get it through my earthly father, but he used the word and he used his prophetic voice and he used the anointing and he used these key times in my life to form me. This is personality. I remember I had a student come into my office and confess this real serious struggle and, and um, we prayed and, and I put some next action steps on him and, and then I also was gonna follow up with him. I said, hey, I'm gonna follow up with you in a week or two and I'm gonna come up to you and go, hey, hey, how are you doing? Now when I ask you how are you doing, I'm not asking how your day went, what's your favorite color, all right? I'm not asking none of that. All right, I'm asking, hey, hey, how are you doing? You ever try to talk with your eyes? Right? So I remember I catch this kid in between services, and I walk up to him, I'm like, hey, 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 how are you doing? You ever had your mama do that to you? One of these, your dad, you're like, mm. One of these, right? Hey, how are you doing? And this kid's a true teenager. What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Right. Everybody that's got a teenager knows exactly what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? I, I said, no, 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 stop playing, stop playing. How are you do? I mean, it's a crowded hallway. It's not like I can say, hey, you're a pervert, you're an addict, we're trying to get you off that stuff, remember that? It's not like I can say that, right? I said, hey, how are you doing, <laughs> right? And he's like, what, what are you talking about? I, I said, remember you were in my office confessing? So just, and he, he's like, oh, Pastor Chris, that was my other personality. Someone asked me, what would you say? I said, I know what I said, because I said it. And he said, oh, that was my other personality. I said, fine, I want a group meeting right now. <laughs> you are one person with one mind. Let's start right there. What? I want to speak to his identity. He was raised by this weird uncle that all of his failures were on a, uh, another personality that he carries. And so he, this kid never learned to take on responsibility. And it wasn't until I said, ah, oh, nice try. You are one person. You are one man with one mind. That he was called into personality, he was called into his identity. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me say this in the Chris Strada version, put it in your world a little bit. For as I allow my children to think of themselves, they will end up living like that. If I allow them to think like they're a failure, they will do nothing but fail. If I allow them to think that this is okay and this low standard is okay, they will live like that. If I tell them... Uh, things like, you, could get, you can get away with this, you can cut corners here, don't worry about the taxes, just use the cheat code, just do all that, guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna bring that into their marriage, they're gonna bring that into their parenting, they're gonna bring that into their job, and then when they can't hold anything down and nothing stabilizing, it'll be because I let them think of themselves like that. Are you hearing me this morning? I think what we really need is a, a clear definition, I can't believe I even need to say this, of what a man is in today's world. We, it's, we don't just need fathers, we need men to be men. I mean, he says this in the English Standard Version in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, uh, gird yourself up, dress up in faith, 
act like a man. He literally says this. I think if I could, maybe a little research, I put together a definition of manhood. You could take a picture of it if you want, but I want to read this very clearly. A man is an adult male. This is a good place to say amen. <laughs> who accepts his masculinity. Got real quiet up in this church. People were like, really? Scandalous. All right, a man is an adult male who accepts his masculinity, speaks and acts with maturity, embraces responsibility, functions independently, can lead a family faithfully, and recognize his accountability as an image bearer of God. I'll say it one more time. A man is an adult male who accepts his masculinity, speaks and acts with maturity, embraces responsibility, functions independently, can lead a family faithfully, and recognizes his accountability as an image bearer of God. We've got to chisel, to form, to bridge, to heal, to impart, to speak over this in to the men that we're raising. I, I, I'm not forgetting about the women. Trust me, I'm not. Because I do believe that had you not had a father in your life, you would not be the wife that you are. Psychologically, they say the, the daughters end up being like the father. The sons end up being like the mother. Just helping out some single people there. Make some quality choices. I would like to tell the queens in the room, there's a reason why you wear that crown. And maybe you have not been had a crown placed on you, but I promise you this, God himself has crowned you with dignity and glory, like it says in Psalms, and he has given you every opportunity, and you're not without whether you have a man or not, because you've got a king that sits undefeated, his arm is never short, his supply is never dry, he'll never make up excuses, and he won't turn his back on you and your babies, I promise you. The man at the right hand is everything that you need. He will speak personality. Here's the second thing. The second thing, if we're going to speak to on Father's Day, is protection. I, I think this is about being mindful of a person's state of being and the direction of their life. I, I want to protect my kids from physical harm. Hey, treat every gun like it's loaded. You know, like, do not do that. Please stop punching your brother. That'd be great. You know, stuff like that. Hey, stop touching the snake. Stuff like this, okay? That's kind of obvious. But... There is things we also need to protect them from that aren't so obvious. Things like laziness, excuse making, shallow decision making. Are you following me? There are things that I, I want to protect. I remember one time I signed up my oldest son. Listen, I, I don't claim to be perfect at all. But I know I'm right about this. <laughs> I claimed to, I, I signed up my son for a t-ball league. He goes and plays t-ball and, and I'll never forget I remember we show up, and he's hyped, he's geared up, ready to go, new glove, new bat, new cleats, new everything. I'm over there, ready to cheer him on. And I remember he takes his bat out, goes up, and cranks one deep into, I think it was like left, left to center, right? And so takes one way out there, and I'm thinking, oh, he got at least two base up, maybe three if he turns on the gas. You know what I'm saying? Like the Jets are going. Like he could get there, right? Well, he's rounding first, like he's coming around first, and the, the coach is like, stop, 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 stop. And I'm like, ah, 
right and they're and then they're explaining to him and I'm overhearing this you're you get one base they're, and they're saying it with a smile on their face like you get one base and I'm like hey! it's like two or three come to find out this is all they do you get a hit you get one base you get a hit you get one base you get hit one base and I'm thinking this is some satanic demonic t-ball we're gonna have to correct this so I remember they go and play the whole game. The son gets in the car, fixing his head. He's like, Dad, we won. I'm like, ah, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And he's like, nah, Dad, we won. And I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, nah, coach told me we won. And I'm like, well, apparently, I pay coach to lie to you. Because you didn't win. You had this air, and you had this overthrown this, and no one could find home plate with the broad date and the flashlight. There's no way you won. And I remember thinking, why am I behaving like this? And I told myself, it's because I want to prepare him for a world that really exists. Because in the real world, you don't get a participation trophy. And when you get a job, they don't just hand you out free peace. You get the promotion, you get the breakthrough, you get the bonus, because baby, you put in the blood, the sweat, the tears, the time, the effort, you sacrificed, you went above and beyond, and you didn't wait for somebody to give you permission, baby, you just went and took ground and took territory. This is what I mean by protection is I'm not going to let you lower the bar of your life. There's too much destiny flowing into your heart. And if I allow you in the small fox season of your life, this will be massive problems later on. I have to pay attention to what's going on in their areas like in their character. This is important because I want to make sure they have things like godly attitudes and morals and mindsets. Uh, things like vision. I want to make sure they know at least something God's doing. What's a word that you can hold on to in this season that you, God's given you clear vision for? You know what I love? Uh, this is not even my notes, but uh, uh, when Samson was born, an angel showed up to his mom and said, hey, your son's going to deliver the Israelites. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, she's like shook, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I was going to get pregnant. Let's go. Right? <laughs> Runs back, tells her husband. Husband's like, where'd you hear that from? He's like, a man showed up out of nowhere, said, I'm going to have some babies. We're going to deliver the whole nation. And he's like, and the husband's like, hey, when he come back, I want to talk to him. This, I'm just Chris Stroud version, but this is what would happen, right? So, sure enough, the angel comes back. And she, before he can speak, she's like, hey, hey, hold on one second, hold on a second. Manoah, hey, Mo, Manoah, come on, come on, he, he back, he back, he right here, right? So he walks up, and I love Manoah's question. And he says, what did you say? And he said, your son will deliver Israel and bring them back to God. And he will, he will have a Nazarite vow. And then Manoah asks this question. He says, tell me what manner of life he will live so I know how to raise him. That's Samson's dad. I want, you know, my wife is, she's the real Christian. I'm just the preacher. But I, my, it's so true. It's not even funny. It's embarrassing to admit, to be honest. Like, but she's why we're godly. So I, <laughs> you have no idea how painful it is to admit. Anyways, but I, I remember I, my wife bought journals for each one of our kids, and she will write in these journals from time to time, and on their wedding day, she will hand them this journal and say, this is everything that God spoke to us about you. May this protect you for the rest of your life. I, I'm telling you this because I'm not telling you to do something that 
Perhaps I'm not trying to model. I'm telling you to do this because our sons and daughters will look to us for a lot. And one of those is protection. What about protection emotionally? I'm talking about teaching them to guard their hearts, like staying in the word, talking through their life with you, protection in their leadership. Are you influencing in the right way? Are you using your influence correctly? Are you directing it well? Is your focus in the right place? And the last thing is provision. I think I, it's my job as a dad to provide my kids not just with amazing memories and amazing things, but it's my pleasure to invite my kids into challenge. I get excited when I get to invite my kids into problems that I created for them. Because it's called love. All the dads in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. Things like, it's your time to cut the grass. I did. I took a boomerang of my son cutting the grass, and I'm like, I love these teenage years. There's some pluses, maybe some minuses, but there's some pluses, right? Like, I, I, I love these things. One of the things I did to my kids uh, two years, three years ago um, in October, I said, hey, um, we're not doing presents for Christmas. <laughs> and one of my kids said, are we broke? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, well, you are, but I'm not. Like, <laughs> I said... I said, no. I said, but the worst day for your generation is life without Wi-Fi. And you guys need to know what it's like to have some sacrifice and to sow. And so we're going to take the money we would have spent on your Christmas presents. I want you to pick pastors or ministries to sow into. And so my kids sowed into things like the Dream Center in L.A., um, uh, pastors. They sowed into Israel. They just sowed in a ton of stuff. And um, my, uh, I remember we took pictures, printed off pictures, put them in a frame, wrapped it. And on Christmas morning, that's what we unwrapped. And it was awesome. And so the next year around, fast forward a year, around October, <laughs> my kids, uh, I went, hey, we're going to have Christmas this year. The sigh of relief that hit the room <laughs> was pretty amazing. It was breathtaking, literally. Like, it was like, oh, thank God, because you be playing way too much. You and God be playing way too much. I said, I know, I know, I know. But your birthday's this next year. <laughs> I'm like going for the kill, Right. I said, we will not be buying you presents, nor will we be asking people to buy you presents for your birthday. And they're like. And we said, and you don't know this, but we signed you up to build an orphanage in India through Angel House. And they are expecting you to give them $38,750. And I only gave them your four names, not mine. So God be with you. And they're like, what? And I said, so the money we, people would have spent on your birthday, we're now going to put that in the orphanage. Well, a couple birthdays passed, and they're like, we, we're not going to get this done. And they're going to be 25 kids in Indian that don't have a home because we couldn't get the birthdays together. Like, what's going Like, they were freaking out. And I told them, I'm not writing letters. I'm not making phone calls. I'm not calling partners. I'm not doing any of that. You're going to do this. It's time to leverage your faith because I want to provide you the opportunity to see God work in your life. So they started realizing, okay, we got to get we, Do we get jobs? I don't know if my six-year-old is like, i got to get a full-time job now. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. My two oldest approached me and said, hey, um, you know uh, uh, a couple of people who work in the fashion industry, and one of them particularly work, has design, designs everything for, like, Justin Bieber and Post Malone and uh, some of these major, Louis Vuitton, all, all, some of these major labels, uh, designers. And uh, they said, could you call them and ask them to create uh, shirts around mom's songs and messages and your messages and books and curriculum. Could you do that? And I said, okay, I'll make one phone call. Of course, they said yes, and 
We started just giving them phrasing, and they came back with the shirts. Rissy, would you get me the shirts? Thank you. This is my youngest daughter, Rissy. Can you all welcome Rissy? And so they sold shirts, shirts like this. Look at this one, Risk It All. Luck's got nothing to do with this off a message we have called Risk It All. Um, and so you pick that one up. That's available right now. We also have this one. This one's called, uh, where's it? Okay, backwards. Here we go. Fueled by fire. This is that fresh drip right here. If you don't know what drip is, ask someone under 20. All right. But uh, you need to go and grab these. reason why is in six months, my kids were able to raise $38,750, and they just broke ground on this 25-kid orphanage in India. Very proud of them. This year, we're focused... Uh, uh, my wife and I used to be missionaries in Sri Lanka. We used to live uh, uh, in a nation that's 40 miles south of India. And did you know that only 60% of the nation only eats one meal a day? That's not because they don't have food. It's because food is that expensive. And so we're buying farmland with the sales of these T-shirts to go and be able to sell food at pre-COVID prices because we don't need head, uh, uh, any overhead or any markup on it and just to buy more farmland. And so you, you buying a shirt doesn't just get you fresh drip, but it also helps feed a nation. So help us out. You can get that back there. There's something about provision. If I could say it in the scriptural sense, there's something about inheritance. It's the security that there is something coming. It's almost like evil when you're like, I'm waiting on them to die so I can get what I'm not supposed to have yet. But one day I will. And one day I will have to use that correctly because they spent their entire life providing this inheritance for me. Now, we have lowered the bar in inheritance in my book, especially in America, because we think Amer uh, inheritance is about assets, valuables, investments. All, all that's true. I'm not taking away from that. Please do that. Um, but there are things like relationships that mom and I have spent decades cultivating being in rooms, taking the punches, protecting the family name so that when you walk in, you walk in with the grace and the favor of our sacrifice. That is what your kids need, the provision of a good name. Things like experiences, I'm here to provide you with a godly experience. I did this and I failed, but you will do this and you'll do 10 times better than me. The reason why is there's a covenant blessing that's in operation in the spiritual realm right now. When he told Abraham, he said, I will bless you and multiply you. That word multiply is not like multiplication like you and I would know. It's I would say 10 times 3 equals, that would be 30 for the rest of us who haven't had their coffee yet. That would be 30. Um, there, there, when he says exponential, he's not talking about addition. You're not even talking about multiplication. When exponential growth is in play, it's 10 times 10 times 10, which isn't 30, it's 1,000. I got some teachers in here that are like checking the math real quick. But When he says, I'm going to bless you, what he's saying is, I'm going to bless you as a voice in your generation, but then I'm going to multiply that by 10 in your children. And then those generational curses that you killed that your children will never have to fight, they will never come near to your great-grandchildren because I'm going to keep up the generational blessing in your life. When your great-granddaddy used to struggle with alcohol abuse, you're going to win that and you're going to move past that 
and your kids will never even know that was in the family line. When, when all you know is divorces in your family and immoral decision-making in your family, that is going to reverse the curse, and it's going to break through because the provision of God is coming back into a day right now where it's transferable because of this covenant law. This is real. You talk to any person who made it out of the hood, and they're, they're literally the captain of their industry or they're running in such straight authority and favor, it is this, this spiritual law that's in play in their life. People who grew up with nothing and now because they put in the time and they put in the sacrifice and they brought others in and challenged them and helped wake them up, I promise you, exponential blessing is what will continue to follow. It doesn't matter where you came from, doesn't matter the skin color, doesn't matter the bank account, doesn't matter the last name. When God's favor comes on your life, there is 10 times 10 times 10. My Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. I believe this morning as fathers, you can unlock the door for your family of exponential blessing. Would you stand up with me this morning? You know, I have a lot of messages. I don't know how many college curriculums I've written. Books, podcasts, traveling messages. There's a lot of stuff I could preach. But it's a true honor to preach on Father's Day because there's two subjects I've read the most about. The first one is prayer, and the second one is parenting. You heard that I had to look past my home to find perhaps a good godly example of a father until... My mom married an incredible stepfather that I have that I call dad. And it's not to say that my real dad didn't try. It's, he tried his best, and I appreciate that. But I, I, I want to tell you that there might be some single moms in the room who are like, this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Because I got news for you. Your children will not be without a godly example, a fatherly example. Because wherever you cannot be that, he will step down out of time and space, override space, physics, gravity, everything else, and come and be a father to your kids. He will impart, he will whisper, he will speak, he will do everything. He will, he will make sure that your children are not without. Why? Because he's enacting another spiritual law, Psalm 68. He is a father to the fatherless. I want to tell you something, Mom. Don't you dare give up. And don't you dare settle for just any man. You don't want the one that God invited. You want the one that was sent. That's the one that you want. There might be some men in this room who are like, well, I'm not a dad yet. It is never too early to try. Hear me. Some of you are like, yeah! A lot of these single moms have kids that are maybe five years younger than you. And you're like, what do I have to offer you? And we need younger men speaking into younger men. And we need a generational flow of people that are getting impacted. Find some of these kids. Find a way. Speak into their life. I'm not talking about just to be the bigger brother. Be a fatherly voice above 10,000 teachers. One final thing. I could tell there, in my heart there was some dad pain in the room. Maybe it's broken. Maybe it's a trivial relationship. I get it. Trust me. Your boy gets it. But I can tell you this. If you don't work to make that right, the regret that will come on your life, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. Now, I get it. I, I came from a wild family. I get it. If, if, you know, nobody wants to get in the cage with a tiger and go, let me hug you. 
You know, nobody wants to do that. But I do believe there is an extension, a little bit of willingness that's there. You must try. Before God, you will be held accountable. You must try. You must try. Father, speak to personality, protection, and provision. You know, I think one of the greatest places a father can start being a good father is by surrendering his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm looking at summer camps and everywhere else, and I'm watching parents send their kids to be to baseball camp and to football camp. You know, you send them to football, you're going to get a better football player. You know, you send them to baseball, you're going to get a better baseball player. But you keep them in church, you're going to get a great husband, a great wife. They're going to be literally built to be an agent of change and transformation, sustainable across the earth. That... The stats are there, 4%. If a child in a house gets saved, there's a 4% chance the whole family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, nephews, nieces, cousins, all that, 4% chance, if a child gets saved, there's a 4% chance the whole family will get saved. If a mom gets saved, there is a 17% chance that the whole household gets saved. But if a father or a man gets saved, there is a 94% chance the whole family will get saved. I can't understate this. Men, we need you. And if you're upset about the culture that's happening today, or if you're upset about news stories and headlines and social media feeds, you need to look no further than the mirror. Would you just stand and surrender your life to a God who loves you? He's not in love with a future version of you. He's in love with you right now. Not who you will be, but who you are today. He loves you.